Amen. Please welcome Pastor Mark. feels very somber in here. Uh, this is the month of joy, my friends. So, uh, so it was really fun being here this, this morning. The, the worship team was overflowing with, with joy uh, from about 8 till 10. I mean, you guys did great. It was very joyful as well. But man, it was, uh, it was a fun time the, just watching the worship team laugh and crack up. I'm like, that's church, man. That's church. Having a good time running after Jesus together. So... Awesome. We are continuing our series. This is week three on our series called Joy Wins. And last, or the first week, we talked about how joy is relational. Uh, We defined joy as joy is a buoyant sense of well-being, intense satisfaction, and exultant delight that naturally expresses itself in laughter, song, gratitude, large-heartedness, and generosity. All right, so that is joy. That is what we are going after, and joy is highly desirable. Then last week and today, we talk, we're going to be talking about how do we create and sustain high joy communities, and then Pastor Cameron's going to be with us next week, and he's going to share with us about joy substitutes. What is it that we are using or holding on to in our lives that are usurping joy, that we're using instead of joy? So that is going to be a, a, a good one. So I encourage you to come on out again next week as we wrap up this series. But as we've been talking about over the last couple of weeks, the church is supposed to be a, a community that is bringing and ushering joy into every place where we go, right? Every step we take, every store we go into, every time we turn up at work or come downstairs, you know, in, in the morning, we are to be bringers of joy. And I think Amber could say that I bring joy every time I run down the stairs. Of course, she's always often at work and I get up about an hour and a half later. So, uh, I would, why wouldn't you be happy? I got an hour and a half more sleep. So, uh, church should be filled with high joy people. Uh, Dr. James Wilder, in his book, Joy Starts Here, says that there's actually three conditions that need to be in place to create and to sustain high joy communities. We talked about the first two last week. The weak and the strong are together and interacting. Right? Left to their own devices, the weak are going to steer clear from the strong. And the, the strong are going to band together, the weak will band together. Right? But in, the, in, the, in a high joy community, those people are together and interacting. And they're able to be together and interact because of the second condition. There are tender responses to the weak. Right? That is our rule. That is the expectation, right? that we are not putting heavy weights and shame and judgments on people that are struggling or in a, in a weak place. We are going to show them kindness. Right? The Bible says it's the kindness of the Lord that brings people to repentance. Um, so you can, if you want to learn more about those two, you can listen to, to last week's message on, on the website or on your podcast player of choice. Today, we are going to talk about the third condition, which is the interactive presence of God, Emmanuel, maintains shalom. Shalom. 
And I mean, that's obviously pretty self-explanatory, so maybe you know, I'll just let you ponder that a minute. Or we could take the three pieces of that and dive into it a little bit, which is what I think we will do this morning. So there are three parts of this third condition. Okay? The interactive presence of God, Emmanuel, maintains shalom. The three parts are that God is with us. Emmanuel means God with us. All right, so we're going to talk about that. We're going to look at how the presence of God is actually interactive. And when we find ourselves in the interactive presence of God, the outcome is going to be peace. Uh, shalom is the Hebrew word that really means wholeness or completeness, but it is most often translated in our Old and New Testament as peace. Okay, so number one, Oh, look at that. Look what I did. God is with us. Presence of God is interactive. Presence of God brings us peace. Number one, God is with us. This is, like I said, what Emmanuel means. And if we look at the Gospel of Matthew in the opening chapter, in the last chapter, we see that the author, Matthew, is trying to communicate something to us. In verse 1, or chapter 1, verse 23, the, the angel says, The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And we celebrate this during Advent and during Christmas, that Jesus has come. He was born in a manger. He took on flesh, right, in order uh, to pay the, the penalty for our sins. But then in chapter 28, verse 20, the very last chapter, the very last couple of verses of Matthew, after giving the Great Commission after the resurrection of Jesus, Jesus tells his disciples and tells us, Surely I am with you to the very end of the age. Right? So God, through the person of Jesus Christ, is with us. But this is not that Jesus is with us in some kind of abstract or kind of uh, arbitrary sense. Like, Jesus is with us. Like, if, if Jamie's going off to do something, he, go, he went to Bethel a few years ago, right? And I'm like, I'm with you. Good job. Go for it. Right? But I wasn't actually with him. I was just cheering him on. Right? Uh, but that is not how Jesus is with us. Right? In, in John chapter 14, 27, Jesus says this just before his uh, death and resurrection. He says, all this I've spoken while I was still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. Right? And so Jesus, in his leaving of his physical body here, walking with his disciples on earth, ascending to heaven, says, don't worry, it's good that I leave you, which as a disciple would have been a bonkers statement, right? What are you talking about? You're healing people. You're the Messiah. You should stay here, right? We could get you a nice throne and we could put up a castle or something. It'd be great. But he says, no, it's good that I'm leaving because I'm sending an advocate. I'm sending a helper. I'm sending the Holy Spirit who is not just going to be around and walking with you, but is going to be indwelling every single believer. 
right? We are connected. We are with Jesus because when we bow our knee to Jesus as our Lord and Savior, as we run after him with our whole lives becoming Christians, uh, right, we are filled with the Holy Spirit. And this connects us to Jesus. It connects us to the Father. And uh, Dr. Wilder says in his, his book, Joy Starts Here, when we are aware of God's presence and his point of view, there is a profound peace as we live in that moment. Shalom is that sense that God is working everything together in a good way, even when we are not sure how. We sense that God is not worried, so why should we be troubled? Right? This power of God, resurrection life, lives inside of us. And if we have a good understanding of who the Father is, he's not worried, he's not nervous, he's not scared about how things are going to turn out, right? He's, he's okay, he's comfortable, he's excited about the future, he knows the end of the story. Right? And so when we take on Jesus' perspective, right, we also can step into peace. And that gives us a place where we can step into joy, even in the midst of a crazy and chaotic world. So God is with us. Number one, God is with us. Emmanuel. We also see if we want to create and sustain high joy communities, we need as individuals and as a community of believers to recognize and remember that the presence of God is interactive. All right? Uh, this means that we are in communication, that we are working together. This last Tuesday, Amber and I went out to, to dinner because we had a couple of important things that we needed to discuss. And we needed to set aside some time where we could just look each other in the eye, get away from the distractions, have a really good hamburger, and talk about some, some different things. And as we were talking, it was interactive, right? Amber would talk, and I would talk, and our ideas, and our unity, and our excitement about where we were going was increased because of that interactivity. Right? You guys have probably experienced something similar to that. Or we see it on the, the football. It's like football season, I've heard. And, uh, and so on the football team, there's a lot of players and there's coaches, right? And they're talking to each other, right? They're interacting, they're communicating in order to accomplish a goal, right? Literally a goal. <laughs> Sports references from Mark. You're welcome. So, yeah. And so there, the presence of God is also interactive. He wants to communicate and work together with us. Um, and this practicing the presence is a, is a very biblical lifestyle that we are supposed to run after, right? In First uh, Thessalonians, Paul says this. He says, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And so when Paul is talking to the Thessalonian church about practicing the presence of God, walking out this uh, biblical Christianity, he wouldn't have said that, right? But walking out life in Jesus, right? He is, says always and continually and in all circumstances. I haven't quite reached that point. How are you guys doing? I'm at like 95%. <laughs> Just kidding. 
right? We're, 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 that's a, this, is a, this is a tall order, right? To be practicing the presence of God, to be interacting with, with God 24-7, always and continually and in all circumstance is, is, is a tall order. But this is why we call it a practice, right? It's not something that we just perfect. It's not something that we just like, oh, I'm supposed to rejoice always? Check. No, we're running after it. We're working on it. We're, we're recognizing that sometimes we're going to fall. Sometimes we're going to mess up. But we're going to continue pressing into it so that we get better at it. Right? I am better at rejoicing in difficult situations than I was when I got saved 25 years ago. And hopefully if you have known Jesus for a while, you're also getting better at that. I'm much better at, at praying. I certainly don't pray continually, but I pray a lot more than I did than when I was a little baby Christian and couldn't even handle praying for 10 minutes in some prayer meeting. I was like, I'm out. This is the most boring thing I've ever done. Right? I can, I'm, actually, I'm, actually, I'm actually holding prayer meetings now. That, that is a, that's, a, that's a journey, I tell you what. Right? But we're practicing it. We're getting better. Right? Just, I used to play golf when I was in high school. Seriously? No. Oh, I didn't realize we had such a golf contingent here. Yeah, yeah, I did. I was terrible. I was a terrible golfer. Uh, but the, the, what they say is if you practice, that you get better. My, my golf coach, uh, he, he told me all the time, he's like, you've got a beautiful, you have such a good swing which I found out is what you tell bad golfers to keep them encouraged. Like, well, I don't know why, I don't know why you keep hooking it into the trees, because it looks great. <laughs> you're looking real good. And so, but I'm good with looking good and not actually being good, so it's fine. Um, or, I don't know, like, I, I just joined the Academy Street Winds, which is, the, is a premier wind ensemble in, in Kalamazoo County. No big whoop. Uh, you, can, you can come and hear me on March 6th. We're playing the 1812 Overture. Jamie's got it on his calendar. He'll be taking a van up there so you can get with him. Uh, so but, so I, I played back in high school. I took 20-some years off, started playing. Uh, and it, it was, uh, and it, the, uh, my endurance was gone, right? The, my range was gone. All my strength was gone. I couldn't, couldn't play like I used to, but now I've been playing for, I don't know, six, eight months or something like that. And I'm way better. My range is getting back. I can play for longer. Um, it, it's great. One time I was practicing here and Shanna came sneaking in on me and scared me. I try to practice where there's not people around. But So if you want to hear me, sneak into the church during the week. It's fine. Uh, but it, as we practice, right, we get better. That's the expectation. Nobody expects you to be perfect. Jesus doesn't expect you to be perfect, but to be practicing the presence of of God? How are we walking this out? How are we stepping more fully into this? And we start to recognize this by asking ourselves questions, maybe at the end of the day, to, to think, you know, what did I do today when things got difficult? Or what did I do today when things got tense or stressful? As soon as I got home from work and kicked my shoes off, what was the first thing that I ran to to kind of relax? Maybe it was food. Not me. No, maybe, 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 maybe nutty bars and Twinkies. And, but I usually grab those at Speedway on the way home. So, 
Anyway, what, you know, and so we look at what is it that we're using for comfort? And it can be not super healthy things like, you know, excessive amounts of drinking or smoking or doing, you know, pot or drugs or pornography, all this stuff that is really unhealthy. But it could be other stuff, right? It could be just like, I'm just getting lost in the Instagram, right? Or in the other social media. <laughs> Facebook, there's one. Thank you, right? And so it's like, what is it that we're using? Maybe it's a books or, or TV shows. There can be a lot of good things that we are still using to numb ourselves, right? To use as, uh, instead of drawing close to Jesus, where we find peace. I'm not going to go too much into that because Cameron's going to talk about that for a bit um, next week, right? But we want to ask ourselves, what am I running to? And as we recognize those things, we can see like, oh, when I'm at work and I'm stressed out, I'm just, I, I just go and I watch a funny YouTube video, right? It's like, well, would it be healthier or a good practice to take one minute and go, Jesus, I'm super stressed out right now. Would you come and just bring your peace? Because regardless of how funny this YouTube video is, it is not giving me the lasting peace that we can find in the presence of God. Or we ask ourselves, if we got angry or we were uh, fearful, right, or whatever, right, what perspective were we looking through? Were we looking through our perspective and how we're able to figure everything out? Or are we able to go, wait, God's not nervous. God's in control. He's going to see me through and learning to, to rest in that instead of our fear and our anxiety and our worry. And we recognize those things and we learn throughout the day to run after Jesus, to sit at his feet. And we find that practicing the presence of God is more than our 10-minute quiet time in the morning. It's more than turning up to church for an hour and a half on Sundays. But it's actually something, believe it or not, that we can practice throughout our day, even while we're working, even while we are cleaning up after little people. Have you guys heard of Brother Lawrence? Brother Lawrence wrote a little book called Practicing the, the Presence of God. And, and he was, um, lived in the 17th century. He was a very, very poor guy. Uh, and he joined the army there in France just so he could have food to eat every day and, and somewhere to sleep. So he joined the army. Uh, he was captured. Very, very interesting story. He gets out. He has this spiritual experience, and he decides to give his life to, to God, to live for God. And so he joins a monastery, but because of his life situation, he is not allowed to be a clergy or one of the monks. He's called uh, like this uh, a lay brother is what they called it. And so he was basically there, and they would have times of prayer, but he did things like he worked in the kitchen, uh, he repaired sandals and that kind of thing, supporting the, uh, the clergy there in the, in the monastery. But he wrote a bunch of letters, and those letters were collected and combined into this little book, Practicing the Presence of God. And I just want to read a little section of that, which is very, very applicable to what we're talking about today, Practicing the Presence of God. He says, Brother Lawrence says, Recently I went to Burgundy, to buy the wine provisions for the society which I have joined. This was a very unwelcome task for me. I have no natural business ability, and being lame, I cannot get around the boat except by rolling myself over the casks. 
Nonetheless, this was the best guy they had to go get the wine. I don't know. It's, sorry, sorry, Lawrence. Uh, but nonetheless, this matter gave me no uneasiness, nor did the purchase of wine. I told the Lord that it was his business that I was about. It's a good word. Afterwards, I found the whole thing well performed. And so it is the same in the kitchen, a place to which I have no which I have a great natural aversion. I have accustomed myself to doing everything there for the love of God. On all occasions with prayer, I have found my work easy during the 15 years in which I have been employed here. My set times of prayer are not different from the other times of the day. Although I do retire to pray because it is the direction of my superior, I do not need such retirement, nor do I ask for it because my greatest business does not divert me from God. That's bonkers. That's crazy. Like he's, he's, so he's, what's he saying? He's saying you know, he's either out on the, the boat rolling over casks of wine because he's lame, not because he's drinking the wine, right? Uh, and, and he's working in the kitchen. He doesn't love either of these jobs, but what he gives it to the Lord, right? And he somehow interacts with God in the midst of this work that he doesn't like. And what he says is, you know, in the, in the monastery, there's these set times of prayer, and he does it because his boss tells him to. But he's like, I don't need him to, I don't need it, because that's no different than when I'm washing dishes or when I'm fixing sandals or when I'm rolling over casks on the sea. Right? That's really spectacular. I'm not there. But man, I would love that to be my thing too, right? To be so intimate, to be walking so closely with the Lord that as I'm sitting and writing a paper or, you know, you know, working on some administrative task, the things that I don't love, right? Every job, I love my job, but spoiler alert, every job has job parts that you don't like. So there's parts that I don't like, and yet could I encounter and experience the presence of God in the midst of those times? Can I experience the, the presence of God as I'm mowing my lawn or taking care of something around the house the same way I do when I spend you know, my half hour or whatever in quiet time before the Lord? I don't know how you get there, but I think you do it by becoming more and more aware of the presence of God in your life and recognizing when you're running to things that aren't the Lord and go, Oh, God, I repent. Help me just to step back into your presence. Lord, I'm going into this meeting, and I don't really know what I'm supposed to say or what I'm supposed to do. Would you give me your grace? Right? Or, man, God, I've got a huge day in front of me. I don't know how I'm going to get everything done. Would you help me? Would you sustain me? And just inviting him into even the most mundane parts of your life. And I don't know how this works in your specific instance. We all have different seasons of life and we both all have different jobs and things that are going on. But there has to be some way for us to practice this and press into it and live with this interactive conversation going on with God, knowing that he wants to work with us and we get to work with him. Okay, we've talked that one a lot. Moving along. So what the third part of 
The third part of the, the third part, <laughs> third part of the third, th I don't even know what I'm talking about anymore. What do we call these? Third condition. The third part of the third condition of a high joy community is that the presence of God brings peace. All right, Mark, I thought we were talking about joy. Why are we talking so much about peace this morning? All right, but just as God is the creator and the sustainer and the generator of joy, when we draw close to him, he gives us joy because he is full of joy. In the same way, when we draw close to God, we can receive his peace because he is filled and overflowing with peace. And when we understand the, the joy that we can find in the Lord and, we, and, the, the, and the peace that we find in, in the Lord, right, that leads us to living in uh, this idea or this state of joy long term. Does that make any sense? As we draw close to God, as we recognize his grace in our lives, as we recognize his unfailing love, his faithfulness, that he's stood by us through thick and thin, right? That he is for us and not against us, that he is faithful all the time, then we can receive his peace and we can receive his joy. Because when we trust in God, it always leads to peace. And when our peace is gone, when we're feeling stressed out, when our peace has left the building, right, uh, it is because our awareness of the active presence of God is gone, right? So if you're feeling insecure, if you're feeling worried, it's because you're not looking through the perspective of God. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7, Paul says, Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Right, so once again, Paul invites us to live a lifestyle of interactivity and connection with God. In every situation, right, we don't need to be anxious. I'm anxious in about every situation, right? And so I'm growing in this. I'm much better, believe it or not. I'm much better than, than I, I was, right? But in, we don't need to be anxious. We don't need to just go, well, that's just part of life, or that's just my personality, right? I live as an anxious, I'm just an anxious person. Shoot, I'm an eight, or no, eight wouldn't be anxious. I'm a three, a six. Well, you don't know. Enneagrams. Anyway, uh, right? I'm just an anxious person. You don't have to be. We're actually... Com this, What's crazy is this is a command, a biblical command to not be anxious. I don't know how to do it. This makes me anxious too. Yeah, and by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, we present these requests to God, right? We bring this stuff to God. When you recognize it, bring it. And what is the promise? What is the result? He says, if you do this, the peace of God which is above and beyond understanding, beyond our circumstances, beyond what things look like they're, they're happening in the real world right in front of us, this peace of God transcends understanding. That's what I want. We grow in the awareness of the presence of God, and it brings us peace. And this certainly doesn't mean that we never have challenges. It doesn't mean that we don't have pain or problems, but we learn to see things as God sees them. 
And as we practice the presence of God, it helps us to grow in joy so that we can suffer well. We grow in joy, we grow in peace, so that we can suffer well. And suffering well just means that we have the capacity to experience the pain of life, but we remain relationally connected with God and with others. Because as we saw in the very first week, we saw that joy is relational. If we don't have connection with God, we don't have connection with other people in our lives, right? We don't have flourishing joy. And so if we can encounter the pains and the struggles and the difficulties of this life well, right, we can suffer well by staying close to these relationships. We see this in the person of Jesus Christ. In Hebrews 12, it says, For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Right? He didn't let the pain and the shame of the cross remove him from the joy, from the relational connection that he had with God and with people. And we are called to follow his example, to press into joy, to press into peace, to press into the presence of God interactively throughout our day. So today, do, do, oh, that was a good quote. We, list the last two weeks, we talked about these three conditions of high joy communities. Right? The weak and the strong are together and interacting. Tender responses to weakness are the rule. And the interactive presence of God, Emmanuel, God with us, maintains shalom, peace. And so hopefully that third one makes a little bit more sense at the end of this uh, discussion, teaching. So today we looked at these three, right? And all of them are so important and something that we want to run after as a community because we want to create high joy communities. Because when people come into this place, whether they're weak or whether they're strong, wherever they're at, right? Whether they know Jesus or don't, we want them to be welcomed and to encounter the joy of the Lord. So as we go from here today, just ask yourself, how are you practicing the presence of God in your life? What does that look like? How are we making time to allow the Holy Spirit to saturate us with joy and with peace so that we can create this high joy space that we're looking for. Because what excites me as we're moving through this is thinking about, you know, what would it look like if this community, if New Day Community Church in Vandalia was full of the peace of God? Right? What would it look like for people to, to walk in off the street into this community if we weren't living out of those base uh, negative emotions of fear and anger and sadness, but living out of this positive emotion of joy and peace? How would you greet people differently? Right? Who would you sit down at, at, at a table with if you were running after these conditions? Right? Who would you call throughout the week? How would you uh, order your life if we were running after these things as a community? And as I imagine that, 
Man, and we do it really well. Guys, this is an amazing community. I absolutely love it. I don't know how many people I've met that are plugged in here that were blown away, not by the worship, not by the amazing speaker, right, but by just the community and the feeling of, of welcome. So we do this really, really well naturally, but we can grow. We can be better, right? We can become this safe harbor in a storm-tossed sea in the midst of a chaotic world where it seems like everything is going to hell in a handbasket. We can be that oasis in the desert that welcomes people in and says, it's going to be okay, and we're going to walk it out with you. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, we love you. And Lord, we thank you that you are with us, that your presence is interactive, and because of who you are, we can be filled with joy and peace. Lord, help us to be a community that lives out these conditions. Lord, help us to be a community that uh, lives as a, as, a, as a kingdom outpost, Lord, that is proclaiming your goodness and your grace and your uh, amazing joy. Lord Jesus, we love you. And in your name we pray. Amen. 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 On my right is the prayer team. They would love to pray with you uh, for any need that you have whatsoever. Uh, if you uh, are like, man, I want more joy in my life, come on up and they would love to pray with you. On my left is the, the Rama team. It looks just like Reuben, but there's a team surrounding him. Uh, and he, they will pray for you and give you words of, of encouragement uh, that, that the Lord is speaking to you this morning. So I encourage you to take advantage of that. When you are dismissed, there's coffee and donuts in the family room. Have a fantastic Sunday. Bless you.